Blog Talk Radio. Well, it's another Thursday night. I'm Jason. You're listening to my show, which is Whiskey and Wit, which I often just call Whiskey and Witches. It's Whiskey, it's Witches, Whiskey and Wit, but I often want to say Whiskey, Witches and Wit. I'm not saying that one is more important than the other. Far from it. It's just that they kind of sound alike and I get them confused and oh man, it's, I should have chosen a different name. Thank you. I hope that you're doing well this evening, whether you're listening live or you're most likely downloading this podcast from wherever you listen to your podcasts. I really do appreciate the fact that people do listen to this show. This is a big week for me. My sixth book, my sixth book, Jesus Christ is out. It's called Llewellyn's Little Book of Yule. I'll be doing more with it come November, December on the show. It's a little early to be crazy about that book. It's just September. We're not even to Maybon yet. Oh my God. Are you ready? Are you ready for the everyone hates Maybon bullshit? If you are not familiar with that, there are a lot of people who are really offended that the name given to the autumn equinox is Maybon. If you know anything about the history of that, it's pretty nonsensical. I've never thought that it makes a lot of sense, but a lot of people like get really, really angry. Like it's offensive to call the holiday Maybon. Like they have nothing else to do. I just don't get it. But you know, we like our outrage and apparently Maybon is something to be outraged about. I hope that you're having a good time. It feels like fall. Where I live, it's probably not good that it feels like fall. I live in California, and there's a ton of smoke in the sky, and it's sort of blocking out the sun where we all live. So the last two days, I've lived in this weird orange apocalypse. It just doesn't look right outside. You know, you can see a little bit of sun kind of peering out through all of this garbage air. I've had a lot of friends who have if not lost houses, they've lost all the infrastructure around their houses, no plumbing, no electricity. So it's been a pretty rough time up here in Northern California. I have friends and family who ask, are you an REOK? Are you an REOK? I'm like, yeah, we're fine. Uh, the air is bad, but that's not a big deal. It's my friends who have lost stuff that I'm much, much more worried about. And these are people you probably don't know in the witch community, but they're important to the witch community where I live. And they're just amazing people, and it just hurts me to see all of that going on and uh, people losing things and being away from home and all of that. It's just rough. It's the rotten cherry on top of the shit sandwich that is 2020, you know, not our best year. Speaking of 2020, I hope that you'll get out and vote as we get closer. Voting has already begun in some places. It feels like November is still an eternity from now, but we are less than two months away from the election. We are only 40 days from Samhain. That's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited about that. Should have been the greatest Halloween of all time. It's a Saturday. It's a full moon. It's the start of daylight or the end of daylight savings time so we get an extra hour to sleep. Not going to be the best Halloween ever because all of the social distancing stuff is still going to be in place. However, witches make the most of the things, and I'm hopeful that you'll make the most of the holiday. Coming up on the show, we have Naja Lightfoot next week, and I'm really excited to talk to her just to give you a little uh, you know, heads up and then taking a week off to celebrate my 16th wedding anniversary. If you had a Jason and Ari would be married for 16 years, you are the winner. Because I don't think even Ari had us being married for this long. So uh, tonight, my special guest is Martha Kirby Capo, who is the editor at the Agora on Pathios Pagan, something very dear to my heart. And she also writes there as the corner crone. And she's my pal. And I don't think she's ever been on a podcast before. So I never, ever, ever have, no. Yeah, this is this is it. Like last week, I had a guest who had never been on a podcast, so I'm taking. She did well, you know. You know? She did. She did well. Yeah, it's just I'm taking podcast virginity left and right. <laughs> you know. 
and then there's Jason Mankey skipping down the road, you know, like a big <laughs> cornfield or something, and, and yanking tassels left and right. You know. <laughs> well, you know, a little that too, that's a great image. <laughs> I'm a little too old, probably, to, you know, go out and take anyone's virginity at this point in my life. So, you know, I'll just take their podcast virginity. I I like it. You you enjoy my jokes. We're we're in. This is like gonna be the, the second good week in a row on the show. Deborah gushed about how brilliant I was and you're laughing at everything I say. I feel good. Feel well, good. You should feel good. Yeah. So I don't the think, nicest witch I've never met. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, that's very different from what other people say. Like he's an <laughs> asshole and other stuff. You know, there's there's always a group of haters out there, no matter what. That's you so do. true. But you know, I have found you so um you are you are um I'm never afraid to ask you a question. Uh, if I have, if there's something that I'm doing, like with Theodore, or if I'm having trouble with something, or I'm trying to say, why the freak is this picture not working? Um, you know, I, I never feel like I can't ask you, even though you're multitasking, you know, like nobody's business all the time. And we have a terrific time difference. Uh, I, I'm three hours somewhere from you. Uh, and so when I'm up, you're not. You know, by the time I'm really chugging along, you're just waking up. And, but, you know, I still feel like if, even if I'm hitting you first thing in the morning after a sort of a cursory good morning, and here's my problem, uh, you are so gracious about that. And you're able, you're a good teacher because I'm, I, you're able to walk me through some of this stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, I got that. Thank you. Talk to you in another eight weeks, nine weeks when I have another problem. <laughs> I I try to be nice. I've never understood the idea that you wouldn't be nice to other people. I will say that, like when I get up, the you know the first thing I always do is check my patio stuff, right? Like, do I have work mm-hmm. there to do? Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. when there is that message or that email or that you know Facebook thing, you know that's that's how I start the day. However, mm-hmm. I do have to complete one cup of coffee first because I'm not mm-hmm. nice before that cup of coffee. I'm, <laughs> basically inhuman well you know i, I uh, i've gotten to where i really if it was if it was just me sort of helter skelter willy-nilly just you know doing whatever it is i want when i want completely uh untethered <laughs> from any other kind of responsibilities or relationships then i would probably be at that agora just trolling through that first thing in the morning when i get up Last thing at night, I have to I have to be very strict with myself not to be sitting on that all of the time, um, because I'm so invested in it. And I, I feel like it's um, it, it. I I get to I get to read so many fantastic people, and then uh, them um, pol- not polish their voice, but I I I'm, I feel like I'm able to. Help them be the best writers that they can be, you know, whether that's uh, finding uh, uh, art images that really uh, 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 is in alignment with what their message is, or whether that's just kind of checking with homonyms or, you know, some wonky stuff. Uh, but it's, it's just it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. Uh, so I feel like it's like my dream my dream. You put my dream come true, Jason. Thank you. Wow. And, wow this is, I'm blushing over here on my end. Thankfully, this is a podcast, not a video, not a video cast or a vlog or whatever. So if somebody is unaware of what the Agora is, the Agora is a blog at Pathos Pagan. It's one of our most read blogs at Pathos Pagan. But unlike most of the blogs, which are just run by one person, it's sort of our shared blog with lots of different writers. It was the first place I ever wrote at Pathios. And it was the first place that I ever attracted an audience while <laughs> writing. So so that was exciting and frightening and scary. It's also where Phoenix LeFay and Gwen Raven started writing. 
mm-hmm. at Pathios before they moved to the witches next door. And in addition to them, there's a couple of other people who have written there over the years who now have Llewellyn books and stuff. One of the things, mm-hmm. it's it's like the cradle. <laughs> of I really feel that way. Llewellyn. I right? have to, I have a, uh, I don't have a writer, but there's a writer that I have worked with. Uh, and, you know, I, this was one of my first, one of the first writers who came and asked to be on, tried out for the Agora uh, after I was kind of in place. And I remember asking you, you know, here's this dude's stuff. I, you know, I think it's a go. What do you think? And you, and it was so empowering because you said, this is your, this is your, you're the editor. You, you can decide. I trust you. You can do that. And which was so meaningful because this is your baby. This is, you know, this is, this is your darling thing. <laughs> and, and rightfully so. And, uh, you know, I, I loved it. It was a, he was a, he was a jewel in the rough. Uh, but he has a voice. Do I get to say names? Can I say his name? Yeah, you can say his name. Okay, it's it's uh, Vinnie Higginbottom. Yeah, and, and he's got a Llewellyn thing going he, on now. He's been coming out, and uh, he, I, I, no ego and glory on me at all, but I do feel like I gave him a, a real break because I saw something there that I thought was unique. He has a unique voice that I don't see anywhere else, and you know he has an incredible story. He has an incredible life story. And when he said, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about pitching a manuscript and I was like, go, go, do it, do it, do it, because you're amazing. And, uh, and then he, he was, they said, yes. And he said, I just, you know, would you help uh, just kind of look over? I said, absolutely. Whatever you want me to do, I will do it because I think your voice needs to be out there. What you have to say is important. And, uh, I'm just so thrilled for him. I just feel like it's my, I told him, I feel like he's my, my child, you know, he's my little child writer. I'll admit that like all of Pathios when a writer's like, oh, I've signed my Llewellyn contract and stuff. I feel like I'm Papa or something. And it's not true because I didn't do anything. Yeah. But, I mean, they're writing. You know, they're the but it's really great to just, I can't say enough good things about him. So I'm, I'm hoping, Vinny, if you're listening, I'm, I'm still for you. <laughs> and hopefully uh, someday I'll get to meet him. Hopefully someday. It's neat to watch people, you know, write online or mm-hmm. even do videos online or whatever it is. And then to mm-hmm. see them sort of graduate to that next step. Because there is mm-hmm. something about a book that just feels legitimized, or it seems. I think that that's true. I mean, I uh, I agree. I think that uh, um, I mean, you know, I've been anthologized, and because I I don't only write for Pathos, I also uh, have had stuff accepted over at uh, Skinner House, which is an imprint of the Unitarian Universalist Association. But I've never had a standalone book on my own. I've always been included in uh, in, in anthologies. And uh, for a long time, I was just like, well, where am I, John Liver? Uh, but I just, I think, I, I just think my path is a different way. And sometimes I think, uh, I, I think that there is um, something to, being able to understand if you're butting your head up against something and it's just not working to again, not live in a, in an either or world, but I'm a, I'm a big both and person like living into the tension of, uh, of both this and that. And if something's not working, that doesn't mean that's the right thing. And the other thing is everything else is wrong. It just means, okay, we're going to, have to recalibrate here. So I've kind of, I mean, I haven't given up, but I've kind of made my peace with it a little bit. And, and then I, when I see other people who I, just love their work and help them get that to be the prettiest and the best that it possibly be, can be. And when they go on and, and have such great success, I, you know, I am, I'm able to be in a place where I'm a hundred percent joyful for that. You know, I'm a hundred percent joyful for that. 
I usually am. I mean, with the exception of Gwee and Raven, like when, you know, he gets a book published, I'm like, eh, no. Well, I mean, there's a third one. I will say there are one or two people when I, 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 um, you know, will hear that they're getting published. I'm like, what the hey? What the hey? <laughs> but, you know, then, so wanna... then we get into the whole, yeah, that, that, that is a rat hole that is not going down. I want to talk about you for a while, though, instead of just talking about kind of your stewardship of the Agora, which has been great because as somebody who used to have to do it, I'm so glad I don't have to format blog posts at five in the morning at airport at airport <laughs> bars anymore. It's <laughs> a big break. It's a lot of little fiddly bits, and I, you know, I'm, I kind of like fiddly bits, and so so uh, you know, I kind of I kind of I enjoy it. It's it's well suited to. Uh, it's well suited to one of the ways that I try to live out my uh, life as a Hecatean because I, I, uh, I really try to embody the aspects of uh, uh, guide, of guardian, and of gatekeeping, not in the sense of keeping people out, but smashing open the gates. And so when I'm doing my work, for the Agora, I feel like that really feeds into all three of the Takate um, uh, that I really try to live in my life. I mean, I'm, I'm so lucky, so lucky because I have something where I can, uh, it's like a, it feeds on itself all the way through and, and I get to do that every day, uh, which makes me feel really, really happy. <laughs> you bring up Kate, and it, that's always kind of an interesting subject for me in the kind of this renaissance of her at this point you know you, you it's, it's a name that 10 years ago you would see but now you see like fivefold more i mean it's, it's oh, yeah. really it's hard to it's, it's everywhere it's, it's kind of the thing right now mm-hmm. i guess why do you think that she has kind of roared back over you know, I think I've been thinking a lot lately. This actually, that's a question that kind of falls into, you know, I think a lot. I think a lot. I think a lot. And the things I've been thinking about lately have had to do with voice and, and voices uh, being suppressed and voices being heard, and how we hear those voices, and what those voices say. And I think with Sakate, I, I think it has to do with voices that have been suppressed, and, and then finding a deity or that girds them that 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 strengthens them becomes a bulwark for them to have a space to find their voice and then raise their voice and then as as these voices are raised we hear voices and we in turn raise our voice in in unison or harmony or however you want to say it with these voices and it and it, it becomes a cumulative uh, effect a cumulative state of being where now almost like a wave you know like a like a sound wave or like a, a like if you drop a stone into a uh, water and you see the ripple effect go out and so we, you have this energy wave that's going out across all of these voices and as these voices are amplified by other voices, they in turn are amplified, which then in turn amplifies. I'm articulating this very poorly, but I think it is something like that. Where I, I uh, think you are articulating that pretty well. I I think you're doing a really good job. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like when when we have again it comes back to voice and suppression and it feels to me like there is this 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 woman's roar and I don't know if it goes back 
uh, four or so years ago, uh, or I mean, that would be our country, but I don't know, you know, other countries. I, it just feels like, gosh darn it, we've had enough fellows, and uh, you know, <laughs> we're. I think uh, Brian Ravenwolf had uh, a comment said, uh, "I'm riding with Akate," and it's like, you know, we're all getting riding with Akate here. And um, I think whatever that, you know, as we as we speak that rage, as we anneal that rage into a, a singular weapon to strike a cancer from our midst, or several cancers from our midst, that um, becomes, you know, for, for like for us, it's Hecate. For somebody else, maybe it's whatever the uh, Kali. Maybe for somebody else, it's um, whatever the, the rage deity is <laughs> for that person. And I just feel like as we amass, as we as we speak these energies out there, if we put this energy out there, then there's this energetic thing that I think really does happen where now we've got this all up in the mix and now we're kind of, uh, it, it starts to bubble up. It's like yeast, you know, like once you've kind of fed the yeast and now the, all the yeast needs a little bit of sugar and a little bit of a water, warm water, and all of a sudden you've got something that's just popping up. It's just popping up. And, um, I think that there's, I feel like I'm babbling, but, but I think that there really is an element of that. I think it is a, a, the, the, yeah. the sort of a, a primordial rage uh, and, and not just impotent rage where we're just sort of hebrephrenic and screaming in a corner, uh, but, but a rage that says, I will take action. And I am girded by those things that will give me the power and the protection that I need to act my convictions and you know and and not consequences be damned but I will risk those consequences because I have had it. You know, I've had it. We're gonna change this. We're gonna do it now. War <laughs> especially something it seems to bubble is polluting the world and taking over the world. You see sort of the rise of the horn god in kind of mm-hmm. like a modern context, Pan, Kernonos. see Gaia arise again. Mm-hmm. The reevaluation of the word witch and perhaps people wanting, especially women, to identify with that word. I mean, I, I don't think these things happen in isolation or just because something or someone popularizes a deity. I mean, I think they really, as you say, I think they happen because moments an injustice or a concern that needs to be addressed. And there are just certain the outrage about right now. For you know, especially the last four years. I think that that's. I mean, I really do think. Um, I I don't want it to. I don't want to sound like I think. Okay, now you know um, that we speak these we speak these deities into being. Although I think there is an aspect of that that you can speak a deity into being. But I don't know that's really. Now that I explore that, I don't know that you're really speaking the deity into being so much as speaking the deity's language, maybe, uh, the deity's, I, I don't really think of deities as, I, I go back and forth in this, like, yeah, when I, when I, when I see, um, you know, renditions and drawings of these, these uh, buxom, white, long dress women, I have a problem with that, uh, because yeah. I, I just, I've got, I have a problem with that. But I do think that there is a force that um, that is so beyond our five senses uh, that we can only barely articulate what that is, barely 
stay within the moment we try to pin it down and say, okay, it's this, it's this, it's this. It slipperies away, just slipperies away from us because it ain't like us. <laughs> it's not like us. And so we can't, we can't quantify it because for us as humans, no matter if you're rich or whatever, you're still human. Um, it is outside of our uh, limited uh, abilities to describe something that is indescribable. And if it's a deity, then we can't really say what that is because we don't know. We don't know what that is. We know it's there. We know when we feel that connection, but we don't know what that is. We just know what it looks like to us. You know what I mean? I, I'm always amazed at how some people can speak in absolutes about the gods. Not mm-hmm. that they have devotion to the gods and goddesses, mm-hmm. but that they can speak in absolutes. Like, I know the mysteries of the universe, and I know exactly how the gods are, and everyone else is wrong. They're gods. I assume they operate differently than we do, right? In I, a way that, that I mean, that's what I think, too. Absolutely. Because we just... Yeah. Um, we just, and this may be, you know, I was, I was raised Episcopalian, and I loved the Episcopal Church, I loved, except, you know, gosh, boy, it's very dude-heavy, but <laughs> God love the Episcopal Church. But there's, mm-hmm. there's you know, this idea that, that um, you know, like when, they, when the priest is uh, presiding over um, communion, the Eucharist, and you know, it's very easy to look up there and say, okay, well, that priest thinks that he's pulling down, uh, he or she is pulling down, um, beckoning God, come down, you be the host, you be the wine. That's not what is happening there. Uh, you know, the, the priest is saying, if, if spirit or however they say it, uh, is willing to come down and be part of this, now's the time, we're ready. <laughs> but it's not the priest having control so, over this deity and slamming them down into the host and the wine. It's just, it's just not. Because if we have control over that deity, um, okay, let's think about that for a minute. What does that mean? They're a deity. We control them? Is that really what we're saying? It's, it's amazing what people think sometimes, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Totally yeah. agree. So if you... <laughs> If you hear any pounding, uh, I am unlucky that I have new neighbors who not only have a dog that barks all the time, the guy who lives there is always pounding on things in the back of his house, and it's driving me crazy. So if you hear a lot of thumping, that's what's going on. No, I heard really the dog, but I, I, I've heard the dog, but I, I'm also hearing things cutting out, and I don't know if that's on my end or your end. It seems to have resolved itself at the moment. Yeah, it seems better. It happens a lot. Now there's now there's the large pounding. I got a new microphone to do this show. And the <laughs> problem with it is, is that it's so good that, you know, on your standard comes with the computer microphone, you mm-hmm. don't probably hear the dog. Now you get to hear me breathe and my wife walk down the hallway, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, barking dog. Maybe it's the hounds of Hecate. Maybe that's what we're hearing in the background. I'm, I'm just I just got that. a new headset and mic too and uh, mostly because I've, I've started doing uh, these moments for meditation on a streaming uh, pagan radio station and so I was—I mean I was shocked when they said yeah sure you can send something. I was like wow okay um, but my mic was just my headset I don't even know how old it was and I know it had gone through two moves from uh, I think uh, one from Iowa to Illinois and one from Illinois down to Florida and it just did not it didn't do well <laughs> So the first time I heard myself on using this new headset, I thought, oh. Oh, oh I don't like listening to myself. I, <laughs> I, it's like, because you don't sound like you think you sound. No, and no. it's just like too nasally. And I'm like, oh, God, I sound terrible. Why would anyone <laughs> want to listen to me? So you mentioned living in Iowa, living in Chicago. Now you live in Florida. When mm-hmm. I first came into contact with you or met you virtually online you were living in Chicago so mm-hmm. you've lived in you know several different places just over the last 10 years is there a difference in pagan community from place to place 
And I know you're active in the UU Church, which mm-hmm. for some people kind of replaces or is kind of an addition to pagan community. Is there a difference from spot to there spot? Really, there, really, there really is. Uh, and one thing I will say, because, uh, you know, I'm married to a minister. And so um, there is – there have been cups groups in the uh, – congregations that we've been at, uh, or there have been groups that have said, well, we're not cups group, but they, they could be a cups group if they just wanted to fill out the paperwork. They're essentially the same. Um, but the thing that in a kindred or in a cups group, uh, something associated with the congregation of the church, um, there is a level of intimacy in that that I don't feel like I can take advantage of. Uh, I mean, if I were just like a regular uh, person in the pew, sure, no problem. But I just, it just skates so close to, I'm a big boundary chick. I mean, I really, I'm, I'm very good boundaries. And it just skates so close to a boundary. If I'm at the same congregation that Tom is serving, I just don't feel like I can I just don't feel like I can have that sense of intimacy within that congregation. I can, I can have friends, you know, I do have friends and I can enjoy myself and, and do good work, but there's just something about doing ritual with people that I, um, that I, I, I have to be very careful. I feel like I need to be extremely careful with that. Um, you know, I'm in Iowa, um, the gal who founded the, uh, I think the first cups group in Iowa happened to be at the church that, uh, that Tom was serving. And um, I, I was not very active in that group. And then when I came to Chicago, um, that, that church had a, uh, a person who came to me and said, you could you please start a pagan group? Please start a pagan group. There's a lot of energy for that here, but nobody has energy to actually, you know, give to that. Would you start a pagan group? I was like, mm-hmm. And I didn't understand what she was saying to me at first. Cause I was just like, Oh, you used to have one. And now they're, they're, they're lax. They, you know, they've lapsed. Um, they're not doing anything now. She goes, no, we've never had one, but we, we really, we need one. And Holy cat, that thing just took off. Uh, and I was just, hitting my stride up there with when we, you know, they had these pagan pride um, days and, and a lot of times they'll ask different groups across the uh, community, Hey, would you like to lead the opening circle or uh, do the closing circle? And so when they had a call for that, I talked to the group and I said, Hey, you guys want to do the opening circle for Chicago pride? And they're like, yeah, let's go. And so I mean, we were really, we were kicking along. And then in 2018, there is just a whole bunch of uh, horrible, 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 horrible things that happened. And then we ended up moving down here to Florida. And then about six months later, six or seven months later, we went into lockdown for coronavirus. And so I had just started making connections with, local pagans and these people over here in uh, I'm south of Miami now they're amazing they are so mm-hmm. welcoming and they're just they're amazing people um but they really don't have anything to do with the congregation this is a smaller congregation they do not have uh, they have some pagans who are there but they don't really have a pagan group so I find that the connections that I'm making are very much outside of the church uh and they are they are very robust connections in, in a short amount of time with a lot of stuff going on that it, uh, a lot of uh, you know um, dams that are blocking stuff that we're having to hop over to get to each other. But I feel more connected down here. <laughs> I feel more connected down here in less amount of time uh, with so many blockades than I have in any other pagan group anywhere else we've been. Texas. Illinois, um, Iowa. It's it's remarkable. It's remarkable. I've had great experiences in Florida. I've been able to go to the Florida Pagan Gathering twice, once for Beltane, once for Samhain, and the people are always just 
so nice. Yeah, they were so nice. Anne Marie, uh, I remember this. Yeah, I, I could not have been down here. I could not have been down here six weeks. And she said, hey, she just emailed out of the blue and said, hey, you know, I read your stuff. Would you, I'd love for you to come and meet um, Area Pagans at Florida Pagan Gathering. And I remember, I remember I aming you and saying, I don't know who this is. Help. <laughs> yes. Uh, in <laughs> fairness, I, I did give her your email address because <laughs> I like her. <laughs> I just I don't I don't get out very much. I'm I'm a real um, you know like with, with the um, quarantine and I and so many people have been so horribly affected by that and have also really missed those connections that they were making in the community and I'm one of those horrible people that like it. <laughs> My life hasn't changed that much and. When I, we went about a month, five weeks or so into quarantine, I thought, why is everybody, why are so many people so upset about this? And why am I not? And that's when I thought, you know, I don't think, I think I need to be more mindful. When we come out of quarantine, I really need to get back on track and be more mindful, like getting out with people, with actual people, you know, not just I am them or texting them or emailing them, which I'm so comfortable doing, but getting with them, because they're nice people. There are lots of people that I know who are doing really well through this, because it plays into how they're comfortable with things. They don't want to be around lots of people, and that's fine. And I'm naturally an introvert, but there's also a part of me that really likes doing witchcraft with a coven, more Mm -hmm. so and doing it by myself and boy do I miss you know what I get a big charge out of is uh is I love writing liturgy I love writing liturgy so writing full moon rituals writing uh, uh things for the uh the sabbath writing uh large group ritual I dig that I just especially if you've got a collaborative effort going because that's to me where you get this nice stew kind of going where you have this this uh, free sharing of ideas and what works, what may not work, and then when it all comes together, and you, I mean, to me, that is just that is a charge that is just amazing. I love that, but I also have come to recognize that it will really wear me out too, and and so it's 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 reestablishing an ebb and flow of where that energy is going, how that energy is expended, and then what do you do to uh, fill that energy back up again and, and understanding what my rhythms are and what I, when I need to be by myself. And when I just got lazy about being by myself and gosh darn it, I need to get back out there, you know? I mean, I, I hate writing ritual. I mean, it's just the worst really? thing. Ever. No, well, the your book was just great. The, uh, the, uh, um, oh, the, the yeah. The wheel book. That's ex- I loved that book. That was. I I actually really enjoy writing ritual. Um, out of <laughs> everything that I get to do, sitting down and writing a ritual. Once I have the idea for the ritual, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. find it really enjoyable. But if you're like me, finding that kernel that you're going to build the ritual around, that's the hard mm-hmm. part. It really is. It's it's that part. Uh, to be able to say something. Once you once you have it, then you can really kind of go go go. But it's the casting around for uh, what is your linchpin, what is your fulcrum, you know, what is that what is that little kernel that is going to sprout the rest of that ritual. And um, you have to find something for people to do, especially at a group ritual, mm-hmm. and that's always a challenge. And I think, and you know, I have in my book, I write a lot of rules. Like my wife hates guided meditations, for instance, so those <laughs> are always out. You know, and I agree with her. I think that when you do that, it's 30 different trips instead of one sure. shared journey. Sure. Well, and that's is. the whole thing. That's the whole yeah. thing is that you're trying to bring energy together. So if you give these people sort of choose your own adventure, uh, then then that connection cannot happen. It can't happen. I mean, you're all, it's like parallel play. You know, everybody's kind of doing their thing uh, with what you gave them uh, in their meditation, but they are. it's not a shared they are sharing the act of the experience, but it's not a shared experience. You know, what I, mean? you know I think it's, yeah, it's something I think you can do with 10 or 12 people. Maybe if you're like mm-hmm. a coven and you work together, your energies are all kind of going to bounce off of each other and you're mm-hmm. going to be open to accepting other people's mm-hmm. energy mm-hmm. and things. 
But mm-hmm. to, when people want to do that with 60 other people, I just don't think it ever works. No, 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 way. no, no. If you're like from hand to hand, the circle is cast. And I mean, you're just looking, you're just thinking, oh my God. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. Kind of- I, I, I find like hand to hand, I cast the circle, which comes from Phyllis Karat, if you're wondering. I've always loved the uh, like poet poetry of it, though I'm not ever going to think that it's like a well cast circle. Mm-hmm. But, well, that's so, the thing I mean, that you have to think. I'm sorry, I talked over. No, you. no, it's just I, I have like list of questions for you because that's just how oh. I am. It's fun. We don't really. I never get to all of them, but <laughs> I'm always been fascinated by the UU Church and. Also, I know that you you congregations are really different, and you're yeah. talking about you know congregations in Arizona, Texas, Illinois, Chicago, and Florida. So I mean, lots of different places. Were there places where it was bad to be a witch? Was like paganism not something that? We oh really yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they have a thing. They have a thing called congregational uh, polity. Um, every congregation is is like its own. It's its own little bag. So they're going to, like John was saying a few weeks ago, uh, John Beckett, um, that Unitarian Universalists find at their center their seven principles. They are, they are bound together loosely uh, by their principles. Um, and it's at seven. You can go to UUA.org and look at the seven principles. Um, and, but it's not a Christocentric uh, church. It's not brought together by, uh, like, say, for instance, uh, the sacrament or anything like that. And nobody's coming together, and that's not the that's that's not the main thing in church. So you're going to have churches that are humanist. You're going to have churches that are a little more uh, deistic. You're going to have churches that are kind of a mix of both. You're going to have uh, congregations who say, don't you call me a church, we're a congregation. Uh, you're going to have uh, people, you know, that are just like maybe 27, 40, 50 people gathered together. You'll have some congregations that are 100 something. And I mean, that really is, you don't know, I mean, you, you know that they're going to have the same values. They're shared values that each Unitarian Universalist congregation or um, uh, shares, but how that plays out, you don't know. Uh, and so, you know, I, I would say, I would say it is still an uneasy. I would say it's still in the churches that in the congregations I've been in, it's still a somewhat uneasy side by side thing. You know, the thing about and, and everybody's tolerated. I mean, everybody, you know, there's a high tolerance level, but I always feel like, you know, if you, there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're being tolerated, you know. <laughs> you know when you're being right. tolerated. Yeah. If you're being accepted, you don't even, you never get that other kind of, oh, I think they're tolerating me. <laughs> um, they used to, there's a push-pull between the, the um Classical, like Unitarianism, rational, scientific, uh, in the head, uh, and good works, good works too. And then Universalism, which was much more the idea that uh, salvation is universal, that we don't have to jump through some sort of hoop or or say a certain catechism or uh, have a particular uh, uh, statement of faith in order to uh, uh, receive salvation. Uh, that's open to all because it's a loving uh, deity, it's a loving God. And uh, those two, when Unitarianism and Universalism joined together like back in the 40s, um, that was, it has been an uneasy, not uneasy, I would say tension, there's tension. Um, between two uh, fairly different uh, approaches to what happens on a Sunday morning in the Unitarian Universalist Congregation. Yeah. That being said, uh, like down here, 
Um, we're so, we've just been down here, I think, about a year. And, of course, six months of that, we've been in quarantine. Um, I don't get I don't get a lot of strange looks down here, which is great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's That's great. Nobody looks at me strange. I've, you know, I've had one or two questions, but then like, oh, okay, fine. But really, it's great. Um, in Texas, and, and part of that has to do with where I was personally, you know, my spiritual maturity level and my comfort level with being uh, with being unvarnished, I guess. Um, which back when I was younger, um, like in my 20s and 30s, was not, I was not comfortable uh, being out of, uh, being loud and proud. I just wasn't. Um, and so that could have jaundiced my view a little bit. But there's also a big swing that goes back and forth in Unitarian Universalism between the humanists and the uh, universalists, or the spiritual. I hate to say spiritual because humanists are spiritual. Um, but um, it just depends on where that pendulum is and what that congregation is like. But they are, they're, they're all different. They're all different. Um, I I, re I remember in the 90s when they added pagans to that list mm -hmm. of like groups that were kind of accepted and how excited I was like oh my god <laughs> you know there's this there's this kind of church thing that likes us who mm -hmm. would have thought that ever and <laughs> it, yeah and it you know it was pretty exciting and then I actually went to a UU church and it was really different and it was, I mean, I was expecting, you know, a group of people who were, you know, all seeking higher powers and things. And mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some were utilizing the Buddha and some were utilizing mm -hmm. Gaia and some were utilizing the master Jesus. But it really wasn't like that in any mm -hmm. way. Yeah, it can, again, it can depend on my uh, local on Unitarian church sometimes. Mm -hmm. But yeah. But it's really not depends. what I expected it to be, I guess. Well, and I think I think that that is uh, back in the '90s. That does not surprise me. That was a real humanist. A humanist. They, that that was where the pendulum was back in the '90s. And even now, it's a very hard to preach to all the spectrum all the time <laughs> because they're so different. I would say now, oh, and like yeah. most of the cups groups that that I have seen or um, have been adjacent to, um, most of them identify more with the nature-centered, excuse me, uh, reverence for earth and the seventh principle, which is a, a respect for the interdependent love of all existence. Um, but I don't know that they've got that many, I, 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 can, I think there's probably a handful of witches uh, that are in congregation. It's still a moment of, uh, it's cause for a moment of uh, comment, you know, of, uh, it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, and it's, it's interesting because uh, I just wrote, I, I just submitted a chapter for a, a book on, uh, on this that we'll find out, I hope, by the end of the month if it's accepted, but it's about different religious. Um, Practices or uh, faith walks with underneath uh, the umbrella of Unitarian Universalist, like a Unitarian Universalist Buddhist or Unitarian Universalist Sikh or whatever. Uh, and I uh, I wrote a chapter on which because and I just think that it is one step too far. I hate to say that, but it is it is outside of what you would find in most Unitarian Universalist congregations, their cups group, if if it's primarily comprised of members of the church, generally are more nature, like a group, more yeah. more nature oriented. Now there are cups groups that that um, have very few members of the church involved at all. And it's almost like an outreach to the community. So there, you'll find all kinds of stuff. You'll find you'll find witches, 
you'll find Wiccan witches, you'll find uh, 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 Norse mythology people, you'll find all kinds of people that, but if you look at that group, you realize that none of those people uh, are actually uh, doing anything with the Unitarian Universalist congregation hardly at all with any of the other things that that congregation does. They just do this thing, which is great. That's fabulous. But the question is, like, if you, if you call yourself a member of the Unitarian Universalist congregation, how does, how does which work in that? And my uh, jaundiced experience, and again, I bring, I bring my sort of, you know, uh, readiness to be disappointed, which sounds terrible, to this. Uh, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what? <laughs> What's that well, exactly? <laughs> well, I mean, I, you know, I think about how <laughs> pagans and bitches are treated sometimes amongst atheists. And mm. to me, you know, we have a lot of things in common with atheists. Well, mm. you know, we don't want a theocracy. We mm-hmm. generally believe in things like science. You know, I think we're pretty rational people, but the moment somebody says the word witch in mm-hmm. those circles, people's, you know, eyes kind of bug out a little bit. Well, and, and, and in, the thing is, like, you know, I'm not an idiot. I mean, witch does not mean idiot. Too stupid to understand science. Too stupid right. to understand. Yeah. My wife know. is a scientist. But it just... Uh, and and that's probably an old wound, uh, you know. I'm, I'm sure it's probably not like that everywhere. I mean, it isn't. It isn't. But you know, to think with Unitarian Universalists, we're going to, I mean, we're undergoing a huge. Uh, there's a lot of stuff percolating in Unitarian Universalism right now, particularly around Black Lives Matter, and the uh, idea of being uh, in a white supremacy culture, which is very difficult for some of our um, long-term members to hear because they were at the vanguard of some of these movements in the 60s. They marched with Martin Luther King. You know, they, they have done the work. They have, right. they, have, they have walked their talk. And so to have to grapple with this idea that it's a system of white supremacy, what they hear is you're a white supremacist. And and then right. everything just a heck in a handbasket because you now now they're hurt you know they they hurt and and they have to you know if you poke something something you know <laughs> it's an, uh, you're going to get a reaction and and you get stuck in the reaction trying to, to say no you're not a white supremacist we're not saying that we're saying it's a system of white supremacy supremacy and in a system your choices are informed by how you experience the system. And so some of the uh, actions may then have, you know, be actions of white supremacy and you don't realize it. We're just asking if you look at this and let's, let's try to understand this. It's very difficult work right now, really hard work because so many Unitarian universal congregations are white. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think you bring up a good point. Like when you hear white supremacy and you're talking to somebody who thinks that, you know, well, I'm not a racist. And now you're saying that we live in a system of white supremacy. And then they kind of shut down. Like they don't mm-hmm. want to have any more conversation about anything. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's really difficult. And it is. And the thing is, if, you're, if you cannot remain in conversation and if you cannot remain in uh, relationship, then we don't co-own the problem. All of a sudden, it's not an issue that we can have co-ownership of and then have co-responsibility for and work together to figure this thing out. And and that is very hard work. It's very murky work uh, because we need we need to be able, you have to have somebody who can hear you in order to to see it, you know, to, to have their eyes open to that and then and then kind of say, okay, let's work together on this. And, and we're so we're so blamey shamey these days, you know, especially these days. We're all so blamey shamey. Well, 
it it feels like it's harder and harder to have conversations today, and that the battle lines are drawn. Like, and and drawn, thickly drawn, drawn. I mean, not just like a line in the sand. I mean, we're no. talking like you know concertina wire and six feet deep and little pokey sharp things that if you take one wrong step, you, you don't just you don't just stub a toe or you don't just you know twist an ankle. I mean, you're impaled. Well, I mean, you hear the latest Trump outrage of the day, whether it's in insulting soldiers who sacrificed mm-hmm. their lives or whether it's downplaying the coronavirus or whatever it is. And you know that it means nothing because mm-hmm. the people who like him are going to like him regardless because they've mm-hmm. been conditioned now not to believe anything. And when he and don't you remember, ago, I mean, don't you wonder that, too? Like, as we as we come through, I mean, I remember thinking a couple of years ago, when it's like a lobster being boiled to death, but they don't know they're being boiled to death because the water yeah. temperature is so low, so they don't notice. And so it makes me wonder, you know, now that we are four years into this, um, what are we not, what's slipping past us? What is going past us? And it's horrible and bad or whatever, but because we have become so inured to this, unceasing barrage of unacceptable behaviors and unacceptable um, uh, ways of treating people, what have we become numb to? What are we numb to that four or five, six years ago would have stopped the presses and horrified us and we would have, I mean, if we, if we are so beaten up that, that we can't see anymore, we can't see and we can't feel anymore. What does it take now to shock us? What does it take now to motivate us now? It, what does it take? We, it, we've been so desensitized the last four years. You know, most of these outrages, if they had been done by a Democrat, we would have had 79 impeachment hearings. We would have had all these condemnations like resign, 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 all like all of this anger and you know, with Trump, it's, it's just like people have given up and they shrug their shoulders. And mm-hmm. it, uh, I, I agree. Awful. I think that there's just because what does it take? What does it take? What it's does it just, take? Uh, it, we're numb. <sighs> I think we're numb. But what a terrible, what a terrible thing to go out on tonight. Yeah. So we should talk gonna, longer. <laughs> yeah, just what a terrible thing to go Pick out. Pick a nice thing, and we won't talk about that. <laughs> I hate, I hate that orange asshole so much. So <laughs> we're ten days away from. The most hated of Sabbaths, Mavon. <laughs> everyone hates the name. What are you doing for the autumn equinox this year? You know, I just wrote something about that, um, and it has become a, a since uh, uh, my my uh, my sister died in 2018, and uh, unexpectedly for us, and. Um, and, and then and then all this other stuff moving and then corona. I mean, it's really been a barrage. And I am finding that for me, the equinox is becoming uh, more of an internal um, reckoning, I guess, or awareness. Reckoning is too strong a word. Where I am thinking about balance, and I've been doing a lot of thinking about balance these days, and not so much, not not so much like okay, we've achieved balance. Ooh, we've achieved it. You know, we're there. But the idea is that and to recognize that balance is a, a dynamic state of being that is constantly changing. You have to pay attention. If you're going to stay in balance, you have to, you, you have to really be paying attention. Like you're on a bongo board, which is an ancient toy. Um, or like a, the middle of the seesaw, we'll say that. And so if you are if you are one foot on one side of the fulcrum and one foot on the other side of the fulcrum, you seesaw, and you look balanced, but if you pay attention, there's all kinds of little adjustments that are going on with your, with your, have the weight on the soles of your feet is being distributed, and what your uh, abs, those of them who have them, are doing, and how your shoulders are adjusting, and this whole idea of, it then becomes an idea of back to both and. You know, where we, we want to cling to this idea, I think, of, okay, now it's all balanced. But it's not, really. I mean, it's not. I mean, it is. 
but if balance is such a, a balance is such a skinny piece of paper, you know, it's just it's like the width of a of a piece of paper front to back. Not like a a big, you know, rectangle or something. It's it, it's it's so infinitesimal. And you never know. It's smaller than people think it is. It is. And, and so for me, it has become, you know, September for me was the last month that we didn't know how sick Laura really was. And, but she was so sick and, but I didn't know. And so it becomes, for me, the equinox becomes more like, you, you think you know something, you think you know what balance is, you know what I mean? Like you think you know what that is, but you don't know what you don't know. And then being, uh, sinking into that tension and seeing what bubbles up from that. So this idea is it's a juxtaposition almost because you have this balance of equinoxes, demarcation. But is it? I mean, physically, yes, astro- you know, planets tilting and all that stuff. But that really, what speaks balance to you? What is that? Is that just a signpost to get past? Is that just a tick mark on your way to, you know, the Lollapalooza Salon and Lollapalooza Yule? Oh, we're going to get there. <laughs> and particularly this year, because I think so many of us are thinking in terms of when quarantine is behind us. Yeah. Right? And so we look to these events, uh, whether it's Christmas or Thanksgiving or Salon or Yule or whatever it is, New Year's, we see those on the horizon. And I would bet that there is a feeling, an unspoken feeling, that by the time we get there, it'll be normal. By the time we get there, this will be behind us. And so the eyes are so close that, that that you don't see where you are. And so for me, the autumnal equinox has become stop, see where you are, be in that moment, hang in to that moment, but also know that you can't stay in that moment because those moments are slipping past you. And so what do you do with the tension between wanting to stay in that moment and mark that moment, knowing that moment has already slipped past? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it becomes, you it know, becomes much more internal for me. I, you, know, I was, you know, I was hoping to find the, the happiness at the end of the show. <laughs> But you know what? I've this has been really fun. This is the longest we've ever chatted, and I've had a really great time. You know, yeah, it's, I don't think I've like, ever talked this long with you about anything. And uh, usually, no. again, usually it's uh, it's like Jason, why isn't this working? And by the way, good morning. <laughs> I, I thought it I thought it went pretty well, and time flew by. So if people want to read your writing online, how do they do that? Where do they go? Uh, they go to Kathy uh, Hagen's The Agora. I am the corner crone, uh, and I try to ride about every two weeks or so. I really, I end up being about every nine days or so. But you can find me on the Facebook page for the Agora. I also have my own Facebook page called the Corner Crone. I'm on Instagram. I'm a, I think it's Crone of Kendall or something like that, Kendall Crone. Uh, and I am on uh, Twitter. And uh, if you want to hear my meditations, you would go to KPBR Pure Pagan Radio. Uh, they are on TuneIn and I think some other uh, some other platforms. And I don't ever really know whenever my stuff is coming up on that. It's usually like a lot of music stuff, and then all of a sudden, there I am. Saying, you know, now for a few moments of meditation. <laughs> um, but I'm easily reachable, and when when we come out from a, a quarantine, I am going to make a point of going to different festivals. I'm going to do that because that's where the people are and and I want to be just like Ariel. I want to be where the people are. And well, I would well, also say if you uh, if there are people who have an interest in driving to the Agora, uh, you can uh, email me at 
Agora, A-G-O-R-A, dot Martha, M-A-R-T-H-A, at yahoo.com. I am always, always, always looking for writers, always. And so if that's something that you feel like, uh, you know, somebody feels like they want to do, send me some samples of your work, and uh, we'll talk. Excellent. Martha, this has been really fun. had a really great time chatting and hanging out, and hopefully – We'll get to do it again. I don't have a ton of friends, so I will ask you to do this again. Uh, oh, gosh, that would be great. I don't yeah, have a whole uh, lot either, so it works out. <laughs> I've, only got so, I've only got so many options. So for you listening out there, thank you so much. This has been Witches, Whiskey, and Wit. My guest tonight has been Martha Kirby Capo. You can read her stuff at Patheos's Agora blog. You just put in Patheos Agora into your Google search. You will find... Martha stuff under the corner crown and it's great. We'll be back live next week. Naja Lightfoot, author of Good Juju, is my guest. I'm super excited to be talking to her. We met in Denver last year, back in the old days when we could travel and shit, and uh, we really headed off. So this should be a fun show. Thank you all so much. It's football season, so Jason's got football to watch. It's been great, and we'll see you next time on Witches Whiskey. And thanks again to Martha, and we'll see you all next week.